Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates on today's show. I have a returning guest, a very special guest. His name is Dr. Moti Nassani. Last name is spelled N-I-S-S-A-N-I. If you listen to my show, you've heard our earlier discussions. I covered a book he just published, 2023, titled Eight Billion Cheers for Democracy. And then we also, in March, went over another book. Highly recommend them. Uh, this second book was the Encyclopedia of Domestic Assassination. It really goes into how many interesting deaths there have been in the United States. But you can see those and uh, links to those on his website. So I'll put a link to his website here. He just also wanted to let me know he's working on a book of poetry right now. So he uh, has interest in literature. But he, the last time we talked, he sent me a book that I hadn't really been familiar with. And the title of the book is This Perfect Day. It was written by Ira Levin. And people probably know Ira Levin from his other books that he's written, such as the book Rosemary's Baby. He wrote The Stepford Wives, which is kind of these robot wives. Uh, the Boys from Brazil about eugenics and trying to resurrect Hitler. But uh, this one, This Perfect Day, was written 6970. I think it was published in 1970. And it was a winner of kind of a prestigious science fiction award, the Prometheus Hall of Fame Award. But uh, I read it, very fascinating. Ira Levin, by the way, was born in 1929, died 2007. So he's unfortunately passed away. But uh, this book was really interesting, and it, it goes in line, and uh, Moti and I were talking kind of about how it fits in with uh, these other dystopias people are more familiar with, 1984 and Brave New World. But we're going to talk about that. But uh, I'm glad to have him back. So, Doctor Moti Nasani, welcome back to the show. Uh, uh, I'm very, I'm very glad to be here. Excellent. So, for people who may not have heard our earlier kind of conversation, maybe you can just do a brief bio, what you've been working on, and then what led you to your interest in this particular book, This Perfect Day. Uh, well, my uh, my interest in that book to answer the second question first. It's simply, I love literature. And since uh, I think the age of six or seven, I've been in love with, uh, with books, uh, nonfiction and fiction. And one of the, one of the things that, uh, that puzzles me is that I have a lot of intelligent friends who are very well educated. And they, when, they, when you ask them, did you read Dostoevsky? Did you read Tolstoy? Did you read Steinbeck? No, they are not interested uh, uh, in literature. So uh, uh, what uh, we decided before we went on is to try to make an effort by using the example of uh, I-11 uh, book to, make, to uh, tell people that uh, fiction, poetry, uh, uh, short stories, novels, uh, have a, a store of lessons for us and that we cannot really be completely educated and free human beings without get, uh, being in touch with uh, and having some familiarity with classical uh, literature. Not the New York Times bestsellers. Uh, I mean, really, really good uh, literature. As far as my, uh, my biography is concerned, yes, we talked about my most recent, recent books, uh, Encyclopedia of Domestic Assassination, where I show that uh, uh, one more time that that is one of the pillars of of power of the powers that be in in our world. There is often, very often, result to assassinations of every anyone that poses a genuine threat to their to their power. Uh, President Kennedy uh, is one example. Um, his brother, uh, his son, uh, uh, his son, uh, another example. I mean, this is just, uh, and there are many, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, the list is very long. The second uh, uh, item you mentioned is that my strong belief that the only way out, the only way out, and I, I, I think I conclusively, or almost conclusively proved it in that book, is uh, direct democracy. The, kind of democracy, uh, improved kind of democracy that existed in um, in Athens or in most of our human history in tribal societies, all tribal societies of thousands of thousands of years before agriculture have been 
uh, had been uh, 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 direct democracies. So uh, that's more or less what, uh, what uh, uh, the answer to your question. Now, uh, the next item that maybe we might want to discuss is if literature, I mean fiction, really that that important that that it has such a strong impact on on our lives. Uh, what do you think? Shall we now talk about that? Yes, please do. I mean, you have we have kind of a rough outline. We talked about you talked about some of these other names. I I didn't know who Carol Capek was, but yes, I think so, and I can read that poem if you like. No, not not yet. Okay, so okay, the first the first example. Uh, right now, a lot of people are talking uh, are talking about the danger of artificial intelligence. I agree with them. I think I'm not an expert in robotics, and I'm not sure that I'm not sure that actually we uh, we will be able to develop uh, um, sentience uh, uh, machines that can actually think. But a, a lot of science fiction, a lot of fiction. It actually uh, taking it for granted, and for me, the the point of the example is for me that whole discussion is an old discussion. Um, uh, in maybe forty years ago or 50, fifty years ago, I read a book by Carl Chapek. It's a Czech writer. He's the one who gave the world the world robot. Robot. I think robot it must be some kind of a Czech or a Slavic word. And in that book, it's called R U R, the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the abbreviation of Awesome's Universal Robots. And in that book, humanity creates flesh and blood androids. And, and the book foresees the rebellion of that artificial intelligence already in 1921, which is more than a century ago. So the point is, the point of the example is that there's really not, that you can learn a great deal from, from literature, from the uh, prescience that some, some, in that case, a science fiction writer has. Um, the second example is a bit more complicated and it requires a digression, but I think that digression for you listeners might be worthwhile. Um, there is a, a non-fiction book by Arthur Kessler, who says uh, it's called "The Ghost in the Machine," and it in his uh, his main point is that uh, we are heading to extinction and to slavery and to a lot of bad. The world ahead is not very good. Again, it's written about maybe fifty years ago. Uh, and the problem is human psychology and especially human aggression. Well, maybe, but I agree with him entirely that human psychology is part of our problem. Uh, but it could be simpler than just aggression. It could be simply indoctrination. If we are honest with, with ourselves, we realize that by the time we get to age 20, we are full of nonsense. Uh, our uh, our schools, our TV, uh, everything filled our brains with all kind of false falsehoods, all kind of things that really should not be there. Now, that is unless unless you're you're, you're not paying attention. That is very clear that we are we can be indoctrinated, and I yes. mean we all of us, you, right. me, all of us have been victim of vicious indoctrination. Now. The next point is, then what? Well, by, by the time when they get you, once you, they get you, there are two psychological handicaps that make escape almost impossible. One of them is simple open-mindedness. If, you, if I come to you and I tell you, you know, I think the total story, not to you personally, but to anybody, and I've done it many, with many people, you know, I think the the mRNA vaccines that are used for COVID are, are experimental. They could be very dangerous. And the COVID itself is not all it's made up to be. Now, most people in that case will refuse to listen. I know it from experience. You know from experience, similar situation. 
But okay, let's say they're, uh, they're in my classroom. They're a captive audience. <laughs> there are students in my classroom who are going to get a grade at the end and cannot, they can walk out. But and let's say, let's say I, 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 they are more or less in a situation where they have to listen to me. Well, in that case, there is what comes in is something called belief per- perseverance that even when faced with overwhelming evidence against against our beliefs, we simply don't let go of them. And now, and here's the point for the example. Uh, my, my research team provided maybe the most striking experimental evidence for belief perseverance, for the fact that we just cannot, that it's very, very difficult for us to let go of beliefs. But, uh, and that's the point, but literature, uh, if you read, if you love fiction, you'll be familiar with the idea a long time ago before my, my experiment was carried out. Poem by Emily Dickinson, which makes exactly the same point. Right, so you have the Emily Dickinson uh, poem, right? Would you like me to read that now? Yeah, I would. Yeah, if you if you could, if you, oh, could. you could do it. Okay, the, I'll I'll start it. The brain within its groove runs evenly and true, but let a splinter swerve, twere easier easier for you, to put a current back when floods have slit the hills, and scooped a turnpike for themselves and trodden out the mills. That captures beautifully uh, uh, the the main idea of, of belief perseverance. We don't, and again, for me, the idea was the the, the, the idea to carry out the experiment. It came from from personal experience, of course, but also from literature, because it's a repeated theme that people, even when faced with overwhelming evidence against their beliefs are still very, very, very reluctant to let go of those beliefs. Okay, the next... uh, And just a warning, sorry to interrupt, but just a warning to the listener, we are going to go into the book. So, spoiler alert, if you want to go and read um, this book first, this perfect day, do that. But we're going to go through the whole book, sorry. Just want to make that point. Yeah, do you want to talk about the book yourself, about the plot and so on? Sure. I mean, the the book is a dystopia. It's about, I mean, I have my uh, outline. It's very prescient. It goes into this man who, there are only four names uh, for boys, like uh, four names for women. But this boy's name is L-I-R-M-35-M-4419. His nickname is Chip. But uh, there's, everybody has a bracelet. The It's about like the curables are out in the fields they're in a building there was a unification they use the same words as the manson family so there's the family and everything's run by this uh computer right unicomp or uni for short and so they're all very tightly controlled and uh this is like you can go see it the the computer's five miles five kilometers deep it belongs to the uh the family and there's all this heavy-duty classification for everybody. And uh, also everybody kind of dies at the same time, right? 62, 63, something like that. But there's a lot of – it's actually very, very interesting considering you just mentioned all the COVID shots and the uh, so-called experimental technology because everybody's getting these shots all the time. And uh, that would be that would be different. So there's like a tranquilizer, contraceptives all this other stuff. So it's a little bit like uh, Brave New World in that sense, where Brave New World kind of starts out with people being tampered with in um, artificial, you know, wombs or whatever it was. But uh, that's basically the background. So this young man, Chip, is kind of on kind of a hero's journey in a lot of ways because he's starting to realize that there's a lot. And what he encounters as, he, as the book progresses is some of these people are taking themselves out of the system. So there is kind of an underground group that's becoming more and more aware. Would you agree with that? And then it kind of continues from that. 
Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. So the point of the book is that you live in a world where there is zero, absolutely zero freedom for uh, for the, the ma- vast majority of people. You want to go from point A to point B? Well, you have to ask the computers uh, um, permission. You want to get married? Well, the computer might say yes, or the computer might say no. You are not allowed to choose a profession. It's a it's a absolutely uh, uh, a very advanced, very uh, uh, type of slavery maintained by a chemical. The people in that world, once a month, get a, 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 an injection of a chemical, but there is nothing that we recognize as human or freedom. On the other hand, uh, there's no no freedom, no individualities, um, and so on. On the other hand, there is, uh, it's a world where there is um, environmental sustainability, uh, a stable population, no wars, no bankers, no money, no possession, no income inequalities, no hunger, no greedy capitalists, no envy, no interpersonal violence. So it's a kind of a mixed type of utopia, and that's the justification that is uh, being used to suppress freedom. But for those of us who love freedom, maybe above all else, else who think that the essence of uh, humanity is freedom, of being uh, human is freedom, this is a, a nightmare. And yes, it's again, it's... Uh, it's like 1984 in some ways. It's like Brave New World in some ways. But in my opinion, the attraction of that particular uh, one attraction is that it's from the literary point point of view, it's better told. It's just it's uh, in a traditional Iowa Levens um, thriller type of uh, of writing. It's just it's a, a genuine page. It's how to, to let go of it. So, uh, and it also has certain lessons that uh, that um, the other books might not have. And maybe I should say, I should mention in passing, why is it that most people don't know about that book? Well, it broke a taboo, uh, certain taboos. It does raise questions. That the other two do not do not raise. For example, uh, one trivial example: uh, one of the four characters that uh, that four heroes that are um, that the, the present society, uh, the present people are, are taught to admire is Christ, Jesus Christ. So it's not a flattering view. Of Christianity, and that, of course, is not acceptable, or at least was not acceptable acceptable at the time it's punished. So, if, if you if, read her reviews, even though it's very well known and famous, the reviews are very often um, lukewarm or very negative, or saying that it has nothing to to add to us. But maybe, maybe they uh, um, the most interesting thing we can uh, uh, is what what kind of what kind of lessons um, that that book of uh, that kind uh, has for us well the first lesson I would say I mean there are several so I, let's start uh, directing our attention to the possible lessons of the book the first one of course is a warning uh, this is this is that kind of, of a world is possibly what is being planned for us. And now in 2023, it seems, it seems very, very real. We are certainly, without a doubt, much less free than we were in 1971. We are losing gradually, not only Americans, everywhere. We are gradually uh, losing our freedom. The China has a uh, social credit uh, system. We are being um, we are being surveilled. We are being uh, 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 privacy is <laughs> no right. longer possible. 
And uh, so that's the, maybe the first uh, lesson. It, we have to be careful. Unless we act, we might find ourselves in this perfect day. And once, uh, and then reminding us of uh, George Orwell's, uh, the future, a, a human boot on a boot on human face forever. We might not be able to, once they get going, whatever plan they have, and it seems to be uh, the case, uh, we might not be able to escape, and that might be at the end of freedom forever. Uh, so that that is, uh, it seems to me. Um, I would like to get your input, but it seems to me that that one is simply a warning to all of us. Yeah, it's a warning. Like he kind of knew all this stuff, like the all of the things. What, what's the poem that starts out with Christ marks wood and way led us to this perfect day, right? That's the title of the book. Marks wood, way, and Christ, all but way were sacrificed. Uh, wood, way, Christ, and marks gave us lovely schools and parks. Way, Christ, marks, and wood made us humble, made us good. Yeah, it's a warning, but it's different than like the ending of 1984 ends with uh, him loving Big Brother, right? He got totally destroyed and conditioned to love it. And and Brave New World is not a very, it doesn't have those kind of moral kind of judgments. This book does. This book is like there's a, a light at the end of the tunnel, right? So I think this one may not be emphasized because it actually shows kind of a way out like if somebody was trapped in this you could actually see this book as kind of a, a step on the way out to self-realization to stop taking the drugs to stop eating the, the yeah. tainted food to read books right books are forbidden there's a little bit yeah. of fahrenheit 451 in this book too yeah yeah absolutely absolutely there is uh uh, uh there is always hope maybe uh, that's another another point of, uh, that you might one might draw Never say die. Uh, that, that's uh, another book that it, uh, in some ways, uh, reminiscent of is um, uh, Robert Heinlein, The Moon is a Harsh Mistress, where again, against tremendous odds, uh, the people who believe in freedom win. So yeah, there's there, uh, it's, it's possible, even under the worst, the worst conditions of slavery, uh, there is still a spark that might, uh, that might turn into into something, uh, and might turn the tables around. Right. Um, yes. One uh, of another, the interesting things about this book another, is how. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, another point is that. Uh, uh, a point that a lot of people uh, have been making since at least um, for a century or more about the United States that forget about uh, they are telling us, forget about democracy, including President Theodore Roosevelt, for example, made that point. His uh, uh, relative, uh, FDR, made the same point, and many, many others. We are actually controlled by what they call an invisible government. If you think for a second that Kevin McCarthy or, or Joe Biden, I mean, that's a joke, or the Supreme Court have any power whatsoever in this land of ours, you are totally mistaken. The people who pay the, who make them super rich, the people who would assassinate them if they do not obey, that, those are the people who control. That's the invisible government. It's the Rockefellers, Rothschilds, um, and their lieutenants, and their only lieutenants, uh, George Soros, Bill Gates, uh, this, uh, uh, um, and their ilk. Uh, they are the ones. They are the ones who control everything that goes on uh, in, in 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 the world today. It's not. It's the World Economic Forum. They control it. They are Bilderberg Group. They are part of it, and it's their creation. The Bank of International Settlement, all of it, is controlled by a few, maybe just two families, maybe one family. We are not, they are so clever that we don't even know. But the fact that they exist, the fact that the real government is not, is not 
what we are led to believe is right. simply a fact. And that is exactly the point in, um, in this perfect day. The people believe, believe that, yes, they believe that there is a government. They believe there is a control. But they believe that it's a computer, a unicomp, as you uh, mentioned before. But the reality is, could not be, uh, yes, the computer is simply a tool. The people who control that world, this perfect world, are simply a group of programmers, and especially one man. The way you mentioned when you read the point, the poem, he is the dictator of the world. He's a benign dictator, but he is a dictator all the same. So, uh, uh, so that the, uh, again, we have an invisible, invisible government, and where it, where the total, total control is, it's not exercised by the computer. But people are believed to is, is where the power resides, but right. real power resides actually in one human being and is willing assistance. They are willing. It's not doing it alone. They are willing because, and they are not. They, are, they do not take the chemicals. They are just. Uh, they are, uh, are just. They are willing. They are fully awake and they are willing because they live in. That have tremendous privileges. They are, right. they eat very well. They uh, they sleep with whoever they want to sleep with. They uh, they exercise a measure of power like Bill Gates is uh, exercising in the world today, uh, courtesy of the Rockefeller and Rothschilds. And so, uh, so the second point is uh, is that I, I would I would uh, make is that uh, the book Perfect Day by R. Levins take the the existence of an invisible government for granted. I would like to get your feedback on that. What what do you think? I totally agree with you. I think that it is remarkable, almost like the real structure of the invisible government in the states. The Gates Foundation and the Rockefeller Foundation are almost one and the same. They support the same things. So these these super wealthy and Gates is probably just kind of some kind of carry on from the Rockefeller, but um, I do think that that's the truth, and they bring on people just like the Rockefellers did with, the, you know, what's behind the World Economic Forum and what's behind the Trilateral Commission and all that. It's the Rockefellers. So I think they're puppeteering these people, and it's a lot like what happened with these shots. Like, all these other people were exempted from the shots. If you go down the list, I haven't verified that, but I think a lot of the people in power were exempted from taking the shots, where almost everybody else was forced, forced or coerced, which is really terrifying. So that's another overlap with this perfect day. So, and I think that Levin was very clever because he took this, like the center of the book is this moment where Chip is trying to facilitate change and into the whole system, this whole Unicom system run by one guy is this, uh, you know, release valve there. They knew that people would resist and those are the people they're brought in. Like, I think that's a very clever turn by Levin that isn't in uh you know Orwell's or Huxley's book isn't don't you think that's an inter interesting aspect of this book Modi yeah absolutely I I totally agree and have really nothing much more to add to it I'll just say that uh in uh this perfect day uh Again, most uh, most of the people who, are, who are managed to wake up to a certain degree believe that the enemy is the silly display of the central computer. But they are wrong by two orders of magnitude, by two degrees. First of all, the real computer, as we know, is not a simple display of lights. The real computer is buried in a basement down uh, down below. And that's one of the things that Chip, the hero, uh, is privileged to know from his childhood that that's what the real enemy is. Uh, but still, they do not know who the real enemy is because the computer is just a computer. The real enemy are, 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 they are the programmers and especially way the dictators. Uh, and that is... Now to go back to the present, to a lesson, to have a revolution, to 
bring about change, as, for example, uh, uh, Robert Kennedy uh, would like to have now, and, may, and uh, oh, many others. To bring about change, you've got to know who your enemy is. But most people do not know. Uh, let me give you uh, one example. Uh, just yesterday, I think the Ted Kaczynski, um, I think they call him in a derogatory term, Unibomber, Unibomber, Bomber, or something like that. I don't know if you remember him. He sent some. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Some, yeah. Okay. But who, who is totally misdirected? Who does he send his, uh, what he should send? If he wants, he should send his little packages of, of explosive, not to a post office worker. That's just totally ridiculous. It's misdirected. Uh, in in uh, uh, this perfect day, what you've got to do is go after the computer and after the dictator who controls the computer. Uh, what you have got to do today is uh, uh, somehow find a way of neutralizing the power of the Rockefeller, the Rothschilds, and the lieutenants such as uh, uh, Gates or Zuckerberg or whoever it is. Uh, or or, or uh, that German guy, I forgot his name. Uh, Schwab. You've got Schwab. to right. Schwab. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. You've got to you've got to know who the enemy is before starting a fight. But most people don't have. Most people, most reformers, most people who are awake are misdirecting misdirecting their their uh, revolutionary zeal or the reform zeal. At the wrong direction, it's not gonna work if you uh, if you neutralize some some uh, some um, a, a policeman or if you uh, 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 write a letter to you to you <laughs> congressperson. It's just it's just ridiculous. The, your congressperson is a prostitute. is is controlled by money that somebody else gives him. He has no power. His choice is either be tell the truth, serve the people, and get kicked out or killed, or serve the Rockefellers and li live a long time. Uh, they even control that now a little bit. Uh, live a long time as right. Kissinger is, 100, Rockefeller, 100, Brzezinski, I don't know how long he lived, but probably a very long time. They have, uh, they have somehow access, like in this perfect day. They have, so the choice of a congressman or, uh, 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 or Biden, Biden has no choices at all. He's too senile to have, uh, to have choices. But uh, the, uh, of a president, of all of them, it either go along or so. Or get kicked out. So your, term in office, your term in office is uh, two years at best. I mean, I, who's the blackly? Cynthia McKinney, they punted her. There's, there's all these people who... Uh, what was the guy in the wheelchair? He was exposing people, a uh, uh, Cawthorn or whatever. He was talking about Coke parties and stuff like that. He wasn't going along. They got rid of him from his own party. So the opposition of both, even the left and the right, they'll get rid of you. If uh -oh. you really start Kucinich got rid of him. Uh, Ron Paul on the right, they got rid of him. They didn't kill him. Uh, they didn't kill him uh, probably because it's not necessary. Um, I think that Result to murder when they feel they have, usually when they have no choice, when it just got too, uh, too bad and they don't want to overdo it because then people would realize, like, why is Robert F. Uh, Kennedy Jr. alive uh, still? I mean, that I mean that guy crossed the line a long time ago. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, if, if they kill him, I mean, they already have six, six Kennedys that died under six uh, under mysterious circumstances, maybe, maybe the, the people would, maybe they think, or at least some of us will say, basta, that's enough. You can't, you can't, uh, 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 you can't just do it. Uh, I don't know how much time we left, but, uh, however much time you need, maybe, I have, yeah, we can go another hour. There's a lot of themes in this book. Like once you realize, you realize, how clever uh, Levin was in putting all these themes in there because they're the themes of today, right? Yeah, and it's written in 1971. Well, we still really, I, I still remember 1971. 
we were not being uh, our privacy privacy was not being breached i i remember going in uh, into airports and it wasn't a nightmare now now to fly for me well maybe i have an excessive love of freedom i don't know but for me now flying is is a nightmare i mean you have to stand there to lift your arm to uh, uh you cannot have that you cannot have that you cannot have that and the whole thing is unnecessary it's not down all that apparatus that they've created is is totally i, I, I think of how much i don't know how old you are but i think of uh, i can see it how much? 54 old enough to rem- see the changes i mean it's changed i remember going having to stand up to change the channel on my tv you know so like i remember rotary phones and things like that it's changed a lot and we've been conditioned like the whole civilization in this perfect day which is not a perfect day uh is these people have been conditioned to everything right conditioned to taking their food to their shots and uh, what how much different is the modern american public to the drugs yeah. and the poison food and the shots over time, this whole like so-called quote vaccine regimen, you know, which really isn't a vaccine. These vaccines are, there's clearly a tie between the vaccines and, and people being poisoned or what they call autism. So it's happening. And for people, when you read the book, they're, they're euthanizing people through the shots at 62 or 63, right? So people just are being killed yeah, off. So no, they're making no, it, you know, take, take, uh, 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 a few months, uh, uh, you know, but yeah, so that it's not all too obvious, but the euthanizing people. But yes, uh, even even when you look at our food today, I mean, it's so adulterated that it's really a risk to our health. I mean, the processed food, the, the, uh, the pesticides that our food is loaded with, our vaccines. Now, vaccines, I, I'm I'm a biologist. I believe in in, in a Pasteur's type vaccines, but but why in heaven's name do, did they put mercury in them? Are they what are they doing? Why are they put all kind of of preservatives in the vaccines? They know they know already that we have autism, and it's not that you know we have. I forgot what the percentage is. It's striking percentage yeah. of people who are already who are already are victims of vaccines and, and bad food and whatever environment uh, millions the environment millions and tens but of millions tens of millions because that. some people have a very overt strong presentation of autism and then there's the asperger's people those are all people who've been poisoned too so they poison an entire Absolutely. generation it's the fauci Excellent. generation and who's who is fauci working for gates rockefeller yeah, so that's the, the agenda yeah, that's maybe all of us, all of us, because because uh, you know it's it's a uh, a range. It's not autism. We can see well um, a certain percentage has it in a very severe to- form. They cannot talk. They are uh, they are really really in bad shape. But then, as you mentioned, there is Asperger's syndrome, and then beyond Asperger is us. We are to a certain extent modified by the vaccines, uh, it's not only uh, vaccines, the food we eat, the, the, the junk food that are, are, are giving us, the pesticides we're consuming, the pollution that is covering our cities, is, uh, uh, it all has an effect, not only on our physical well-being, but also on our, on our uh, mental well-being. We are not, we are not, it's without a doubt, uh, we talked about, before about the ancient Greeks. We are not as smart as the ancient Greeks. We cannot be with all with the, loaded with so many chemicals. And don't forget, I forgot what percentage of our population is getting uh, psychotic drugs, uh, the drugs that affect the, the way of thinking and the, the what percentage is tens it? of What's millions. Going? Yeah, no, I think like a, th- a third of the countries on antidepressants, which don't. We actually don't make you antidepressed. They don't really work. They put you in a fuse state, a fugue state. It's actually like fluoride, exactly. hydroxyfluoroquine exactly. or something like. I mean, no, I wouldn't even put that in my body. I, it's crazy. And there's definitely a tie between SSRIs and uh, 
um, violence, school shootings, and things like that. So we're much more in this perfect day than people would. Yeah, it's one third. So we already, already one third are willingly. I mean, is it beyond belief? Uh, they they live in a in a society where they feel so lost. They are so desperate that they resort to chemicals willingly to to to. So it's something terribly wrong. If you look if you look at our to, ancestors, to numb the, numb tribal, themselves, right? Were, it's just uh, Modi. It's just like this book. When these people get off the drugs, they start to have higher swings. They have a swings of emotion, right? They actually feel yeah. sadder and happier, though. Whereas that's that's what yeah. those SSRIs do. They just make you flat. And I've, I've, I know people and who take them. What, yeah, that's what uh, w- one of the points we are making is that's what literature, uh, good literature, has to offer us. It, but it, when we we if you look at our world as we are doing now through the prism of Brave World or I Elevens, uh, this perfect day, we begin. It helps us understand what is going on around us. Or look at fluoride. Now, fluoride is a known known poison. We know that uh, I think it's a Harvard study, Harvard study that showed that t- took. Looked at two cities. One, they are adding fluoride to the water supply. Um, the other one, they don't. And they measure the IQ. I don't think IQ measure really intelligence, but that's a different story. But st- still, it tells us something. It gives you. They measure the IQ in the non-fluoride city and in a fluoride city. And the children in the flu- fluoridated city are six percentage point let me repeat six percentage point stupider than the ch- children that is not a coincidence than the children in the others in the other uh, town that, uh, that they're not the non-fluoridated children so if you look at the whole thing we are already victims we are already victims of mass chemical uh, attack on our bodies and our brains. Uh, there is also lead. There is so many other things, and there is also right. they are using it deliberately. Uh, uh, for example, in Iraq, and now in Ukraine, they are using deliberately something called depleted uranium. Now, uranium is not something that goes away next week. It will stay there in Ukraine, uh, and it will stay in Iraq forever, for practically. However, the cancer rates in uh, in Iraq, in especially in Fallujah, um, in the city of Fallujah in Iraq, are extraordinarily high, and they used it. Why? I mean, they are trying. They are telling us that they were in Iraq to bring freedom and democracy to Iraq. What they brought is chemical death. And that's going on all over the all over the world. And again, the uh, people who love literature are familiar with these ideas. They know that something like that is possible. That our uh, that there is an element in human society that is totally devoid of conscience. That they totally devoid of compassion for other people. For them, the game is power and power and power, uh, um, uh, uh, and that again, again, uh, if you go back to our dystopia, that is what uh, that is what I uh, uh, Levins tell us. At the end, there is the confrontation between Chip, the freedom-loving hero and and the dictator who has he is 20 years old 200 years old or something like that but he killed one of his underlings and thought transportation now he has a body of an, a young athlete so he's a very very powerful man so we have a confrontation between the two of them it's touch and go touch and go towards the end at the end of the book uh, between way and Chip, 
touch and go, but eventually uh, a chip prevails. And then when Wei, the dictator, realizes that it's all over, it uh, it tells chip, no chip, don't 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 blow up the computer. There is joy in it, joy in being the only one, joy in having power. That and chips that later on tell somebody that is the truth. Everything else is rationalization. What that guy way, what the dictator wanted, is forget about all yeah peaceful world and all that. That was not it. What he wanted is power. He had the joy of controlling everything, and that is of course without a doubt the situation that we are faced today. The people at the top, the people at the top, whether it's one family or two families, the people at the top, are, 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 that is what it's all about. Let me tell you one story just kind of illustrating uh, the point. The chief okay. Rockefeller for decades, the one who created the trilateral commission that you mentioned, the World Economic Forum created just about everything was David Rockefeller. Now, David Rockefeller used to have, used to have, uh, I think it's according to uh, a writer, I forgot right now, Naomi, somebody. Uh, Naomi but, Klein? But she tells a very. Klein? Say it again? Naomi Klein? No, the other Wolf? Naomi. Naomi Wolf. I don't know. I forgot. But doesn't matter. I, I, can, I can find it out. You can post it. But she tells a very interesting about a story about David Rockefeller. David Rockefeller used to meet uh, regularly with all presidents. He would go and have a chat with them. Well, Nixon came to. We are going way back because <laughs> Rockefeller lady just died a couple of years ago. But um, uh, uh, when Nixon came to power, Nixon refused to see him. He came to the White House. David Rockefeller came to the White House a couple of times and to to play to explain to Nixon who is really in charge and so on and to give him advice as to how the country should be run. Nixon refused to see him. He just treated him like anybody else. Well uh, you know what happened to Richard Nixon. I still remember it. Uh, I remember I, I used to subscribe to my great shame to Newsweek, which is which is <laughs> uh, uh, like Washington Post, the CIA. Uh, but I I was brainwashed and I didn't see it. And, and every week, every week there used to be they went on a tirade against poor Richard Nixon. Now I'm not, I'm not saying Nick Nixon was a, a nice guy, no. But Nixon had some flaws, uh, uh, like Trump, uh, in their in their Rockefeller's eyes. First of all, he refused to see him. The nerve of a president to refuse to see the controllers, to refuse to see uh, David Rockefeller. And secondly, he wanted he went uh, to China. So, uh, and that's why uh, people still believe in the Watergate uh, um, fairy tale that all oh, Nixon. No, it was it was a concerted effort to get rid of the guy and part of it to go back to the power idea. Rockefeller was offended. David Rockefeller was, what? A little president that I put in power, that I control all the media, refuses to see me? That is not, and there is, I also have a theory about Kathleen Kennedy. Uh, she died in a plane accident. Now, why? <laughs> Uh, well, before that, she used to date for briefly uh, David Rockefeller. I don't know. This is just a wild conspiracy theory. I totally admit, but it's strange. She dated him. She probably realized what a creep he was, what a power-hungry individual he was. So she probably dumped him, told him to go jump in the lake. Well, she died. Yeah, I, I leave it to the listeners to decide, but there is, it's an interesting theory that maybe it wasn't a plane accident. One more, one more Kennedy dead in a plane accident. Uh, it's, but regardless, 
these people are offering no money. Money is simply a tool. They are after power. Yeah, they, they're beyond money. They're beyond money. They have enough money to do whatever. Their resources yeah. are limitless. He runs the Chase Manhattan money is, Bank. Yeah. I mean, and the other thing is there are parallels between Way, the head of the uh, this present day, and David Rockefeller. David Rockefeller, when he died, was on his seventh heart transplant. So he was getting multiple hearts from young people to stay alive to however old he was, 100 or something yeah. like that. So these guys are all into... You know, body parts and all stuff like that. That's probably why Kissinger is still alive. He's probably on his third liver. Yeah, yeah, and he had no problem like way in the novel. He had no problem getting poly, very good, functional young heart. Yeah, it's another coincidence. Rockefeller, uh, one hundred plus. Henry Kissinger, his protege. What is it? One hundred plus now, right? Yeah, um, his protege uh, was Schwab, right? His, his protege is Schwab. Kissinger's protege is Schwab, right? Thought that that was it. No, no. Uh, Kissinger himself is Rockefeller's protege. Oh, he is the no one question. who. Yeah, no question. Yes, uh, is, is the one who put him in power. Brzezinski, uh, another Rockefeller uh, protege, and they seem to be some one of the rewards as in Perfect Day. One in the world seems to be 100 plus lifespan. Uh, Joe Soros, how old is he? Oh, very old. I don't know. Do you know how old he is? Yeah. I don't know. David Rockefeller died when he was 101, 101. Yeah. But it's again, it's, uh, it's again, it's, so, uh, uh, it's simply maybe it's coincidence, but it's kind of strange that all these people who wield that enormous. Power. And I didn't know that's very interesting. I didn't know that David Rockefeller has seven hearts yes. transplant. Yeah. And so, you're not supposed to get yeah. a heart transplant after a certain age just because they don't expect you to live that long. So you typically, you know, an older person over 75 will not be at the top of the list, except if you're David Rockefeller. Right? So, yeah. 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 But, uh, but he got it. Uh, and maybe. Maybe we should also kind of uh, conclude with revolutionary strategies or reform strategies. Um, uh, we talked already about it. Uh, what uh, what Chip realizes is, first of all, he cannot trust anyone. That uh, the people are so brainwashed that any deviation from the norm, uh, they will hand him over to to the government. Um, that you could just no one, no one. It's not, not that much the, different. It's not that much different in the U.S. now. They'll hand you over, rat you out. Actually, if you actually think too much, you, they'll call you uh, names or labels and think you're semi-crazy. Like if you actually read these classic books of literature, you're almost insane compared to the the center, you know, mean of the average American citizen. Like because nobody reads anymore. It's crazy. Sorry. Yes, yes, it's exactly it's exactly the case. It's, uh, we are already <laughs> we are living in in a bit perfect day. So uh, uh, Chip learns to not to trust anyone, just like we have to learn now. To uh, oh, soon enough we'll have to be very very careful. He learns that that uh, uh, that is is totally on his own. If he's going to get anywhere, he cannot. He has to do it himself. Because the people are so uh, brainwashed, they are so chemicalized that they consider any deviation uh, uh, as a sickness that you need help. He also, uh, if you told him that he has to organize a demonstration to against uni, the computer, or uh, <laughs> you think it's funny because he will immediately be taken and given. Uh, uh, a strong dose of the chemical that make you uh, uh, stupid. Uh, um, writing letters to anybody, and, and nothing, nothing like that. Uh, 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 talking to his uh, so-called uh, advisors, nothing is uh, civil disobedience. All of it is ludicrous in this perfect day. It's not going to work. They uh, they have too much power to 
to uh, all of it will be treated as sickness and would be uh, uh, dealt with accordingly. So the only strategy is to realize that you're alone and to fight back realizing that you're alone. Now, what are th for reformers today, uh, one thing they have to realize that like, for example, a January 6th uh, uh, demonstrators, uh, the place was full of cops. There were so many, they have been co-opted in so many ways. Uh, oh. For most, I understand. I don't. I don't read the the news, the right. traditional news. The, so the Fed surrection. They're calling it a Fed surrection. It was all like most of the people doing the bad stuff were Feds. Certain people didn't get arrested. I mean, and all those guys were uh, like the heads of certain people. They were all informants. They were FBI informants. So yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So so you cannot. You you have to be if you are going to. Uh, uh, you have to be extremely careful because if more than two or three people that you can actually trust today, uh, um, one of them, w once the CIA and the FBI and the NSA and all these three-letter uh, nightmares uh, find out, the next recruit to you, to you, uh, to you, uh, movement will be an agent. Somebody uh, with there to disrupt and destroy organization. We are you are totally alone. So we have to, uh, uh, and that is probably the most difficult thing to realize. Uh, I'll give you an example of Robert F. Kennedy Jr. I highly respect the man. I share some of his or many of his uh, beliefs that a better world is possible. But he chooses to go through the traditional system. He believes that the system can still be reformed from itself. In that, is not only totally mistaken, is also giving people like us hope where no hope is called for. There is no way, let me repeat, no way in a million years that Robert F. Kennedy Jr. will become president. No way. And if he does, there's no way uh, uh, in the uh, one in a trillion chance that he does become president. There's no way that he can accomplish anything. And if he tries to accomplish anything, again, one in a trillion chance, there's no way that he will be allowed to live. It's simply not possible. So the whole idea of trying to reform the system from within, demonstrations, running for uh, running for office, all of it. No, it's failing to recognize that it's the system is in their hands. There's no way of they control the media, they control the schools, they control the universities, they control uh, the politicians. They control the judges. They control the CIA. They control the FBI. They control everything. There is no way, absolutely no way, of reforming the system by traditional reform strategies. Anybody who is demonstrating in the streets is, I'm high. I respect them highly, but that's useless. It will be exactly like demonstrating in the streets of one of the cities of this perfect day. You've got to, if you want, generally want to get somewhere, you've got to develop the strategies that are put forward by in this perfect day. You've got, you are on your own, and you've got to realize who your enemy is, you, right. you, uh, who the real enemy is, and figure out a way of taking their power away from them. Unless you do that, nothing will change. The history of reform movements, going all the way to the Shane Rebellion in the United States and going, uh, and all throughout, uh, not a single reform movement had any success unless it's been approved 
in advance by the controllers. Yes, people say about uh, um, the civil rights. Yes, it's a wonderful success, but it did not it did not uh, uh, destroy the the, uh, the power in any way, shape, or form of the Rockefellers and the Rothschilds. Uh, the women liberation movement. No, it's not only that it did not destroy, and I'm all for it, but it's not that it not only that it did not destroy their power, but it's actually augmented, amplified. These are the only two movements I can think of that actually I got anywhere, and they were someplace because they wanted them to get someplace. They covered, the New York Times covered Martin Luther King. They are the ones who, uh, uh, and uh, I have the highest admiration for him, but they are the ones who made him uh, a, a, a household name, uh, and it was delivered. So unless New York Times is behind you, and unless the Rockefeller is behind you, the traditional, that's the main point, of the, for me, the main take-home lesson and uh, um, of it, and maybe uh, an apt point to conclude our discussion is that traditional reform strategies, including running for president, as admirable as it is, it's not going to work. We are living in this perfect world now, this perfect day in, in brave new world in 1984. And we have total And yes, we are still, people like us, it's not yet, we are not yet there, and we better do something before we get there. But those people like us are still allowed to talk to each other and broadcast our, our, our beliefs. But we've got to, the key question is a reform strategy that is going to work. Everything else that is being done now is destined to be co-opted or something like that. You're absolutely right. One of the things that's interesting about the book is that a lot of people are making the decisions that Chip made at the end of the book. They're getting out of the system. So Chip blows up the system and people here in the States figuratively are getting rid of the system and going back to the land or just trying to get out of this whole techno slave enslavement that's happening. That's what I'm finding is kind of a reform to get back to something truly sustainable and free is not to have this kind of uh, surveillance state, the uh, big brother surveillance state that's taking place now. So I think it's interesting kind of like the way that Levin sums it up is uh, kind of what's happening in the real world, at least amongst people that I know. They're like, we got to get out. I know people have dropped off the grid. I know a lot of people have done that. So uh, getting back to nature or something like that is pretty remarkable. But I'm really uh, thankful for your time, Modi. And I'm also very Let me uh, just grateful. add, William, let me Sorry. just add, that what, I'm one of these people. I uh, lived most of my life in the United States. And then uh, at a certain point, uh, because I love freedom and I don't like to live in, in a brave new world, I did exactly that. I left my job. I quit my job. I had fortunately enough saved, enough saved to buy a farm in every remote place that I could find. It's in Patagonia, Argentina. Uh, so uh, to create a situation of being uh, uh, self-sufficient or close to being self-sufficient and away from away from it all. So I'm I'm actually one example of people who, who because of of concern for freedom, also for the environment, but and for my for for my health, but mainly for, for because I did not want to be. To be in that, so I'm just. Uh, I just wanted to make the point that I'm an example of somebody who just got off the grid and moved away from 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 the Rockefellers as far away from the Rockefellers as I could. Do you regret it? No, not not at all. It's been uh, uh, apart from living in freedom. Uh, uh, yeah, well, the country itself is not free, but I'm out in the mountains. And uh, I, I wish I could show you the picture of the mountains right now. I'm, I'm, it was one of the uh, best decisions. And my, my wife, who is not, you might say, as radical as I am, uh, she, um, she's more uh, uh, sociable and more, uh, she's very happy. Uh, uh, her problem is the language. I, I, can, I master Spanish to a greater degree than she has. But she's very, very 
Happy Hill. She socializes with expatriates. And I, uh, I think it was, well, we are getting, uh, personally, we are getting close to the finishing line. Uh, we are pretty old. But it's been some of the happiest years of my life. And instead of teaching, um, instead of teaching, I was able to, uh, professionally, I was able to write uh, a couple of books. I'm working now, as I'm telling you, on, on a singing poetry um, project that is really, really very satisfying to me. So instead of, you know, instead of having, I, li I love teaching, but I was getting tired of it. And after 20 years, that's my nature. After 20 years, even any, any, something that you really love and is gets. So instead of teaching, I was, I was totally free and I was in the land. I was able to uh, grow organic food and I, I love gardening. So I, I love being out. I love clean air, you know, and it's, it's probably one of the, uh, places where the air is as clean as it gets. No, I. it was a very highly recommended, but with one caveat. You've got, you can't just, I know some people, actually I met here some Americans who came without any money. And then, uh, sadly, it's not easy. Uh, but if you do have, I would say, if you do have, if you can sell your house, if you can, uh, uh, sell your house, have some money, and can come here uh, to a place like this where the cost of living is much, much less, with something like 300000 unfortunately, that's reality, then you can, then it would work for you very well. Or if you're very young and uh, have enterprising and can find a way of economic, of becoming economically sustainable. Otherwise, otherwise, yeah, idealism is one thing, but without some uh, resource, so that's be my advice to your listeners, if they want to uh, uh, move overseas, uh, especially, but even in the United States, you've got to make sure that you can, that you uh, uh, can take care of yourself, that you don't starve. Your finances are good. That's what I'm finding is people are just finding ways to get by, whether they're become organic farmers or something like that. There's still demand. There's demand for real food. So it's keeping some people I know going. But uh, again, Modi, thanks. I'm grateful for your time and for bringing this book to my attention. I'm really glad I read it and we talked about it. Where can people, you have a website, right? Yes, uh, it's drnisani.net. Maybe you can put it on. on, on uh, I will. It's www. Yeah, and you can find all my projects except the poetry one, which is still in progress. You can find out all my projects. You also can find out uh, the experiment I mentioned about belief, perseverance. It's an experiment. It's like uh, uh, I don't want to sound to brag, but it's really something that people should should read about and internalize because it will help them. Uh, safeguard against that human weakness. And I want to thank you very much for the interview and all the best. My pleasure. Thank Bye -bye. you so much for your time again. It's Dr. Moti Nassani, last name is spelled N-I-S-S-A-N-I, -S -S and we talked about Ira Levin's dystopian book, This Perfect Day. Thanks so much for your time.